Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to Uncut Sports Talk, featuring your host, Rhino, Brian Cashman. I've known for a long time that you have no clue about baseball, and you literally go into a little room that's set up Moneyball style. You got four-eyed Bill in there, reading off algorithms about players' talents, successes, whatever you guys punch into those things, you know, skills. But for Christ's sake, can you move away from the computer one time and let me enlighten you on something. We won 100 fucking games in the regular season last year. 100. We got our tits absolutely blown off in the postseason. And let me enlighten you on something else. Judge played! And your co-host, Paz. The NFL is a joke. Um... The players, I feel bad for the players, honestly. Like, there's a lot of guys that probably, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys on that New Orleans team that, you know, are, are the 53rd man on that roster. And that extra $75,000 that they would have gotten for going to the Super Bowl, um, you know, in terms of the playoff checks, is probably a huge deal to them. I feel really bad for those guys. Um, I don't really give a shit about the, the, the top guys as much, obviously. But, I mean, like, lives are changed. Careers are changed. Um, you know, even the coaches, too. Same thing. Like, there's a lot of those ancillary coaches that if they get their you know their their offensive line to the Super Bowl maybe they're up for a you know a, a an offensive coordinator job somewhere or you know something like that it's it, it's it's just a, a a snowball that starts at the top of the mountain and just completely continues gathering momentum gathering growth until it it hits the bottom guys and unfortunately those are the guys that suffer what's up everybody Uncut Sports Talk featuring Rhino and Friends. Uh, what else is new? More technical difficulties for us. Pa- I apologize. They don't write back to me. This is four or five episodes in a row now, and it's just gotten to be so ridiculous that I almost just gave up and didn't come on the air tonight because this is insanity. All we're trying to do is produce a radio show for you guys, and they just cannot get their platform to work, and it's just it's beyond ridiculous and just drives me crazy. So if I wasn't going to be fired up for this show already, now I'm really going to be pissed off. Uh, pause. How's it going tonight, dude? Besides this nonsense, it's going well. Let me guess. Just, just, just make my day better and tell me that I'm skipping too now, right? No, you're not actually. <laughs> well, that's a surprise. All right. I so I yes, mean, just to hear your reaction. Yes. If you said yes, I was just gonna hit end episode and call the day because it's just not gonna be my night. Um. All right, so, yeah, we didn't do a college basketball show. This Look, the schedule's kind of weak. I, I hate this time of year, the kind of uh, pre-conference tournament, pre-March madness where there's, like, teams that are not really – they're just trying to play to get home, and there's teams that are trying to, uh, you know, make a run. And it's just kind of like – I know I, I always know when I used to be a gambler, this is always the week – or last week – is always the week and weekend that the lease revenue comes in for for Vegas to be a college basketball, just because, you know, there's just a lot of factors on the line that are nearly impossible to handicap. Uh, you know, some people start playing for their lives pre-tournament because they need one another. So we just decided to nix it. Um, you know, like last Monday, I played two games that I would have never played in a million years. So uh, it's just kind of what happens. Um, 
We'll kind of talk about the slate, though. Just there's there are some factors and some things that are, I would say, like kind of semi-important that are definitely, you know, things to be discussed. Teams kind of, you know, maybe moving their way in, moving their way out, et cetera. So we'll go over a couple of them um, and take it from there. Then we'll get into a little March Madness, kind of our thoughts on it, the number one seed dilemma, and uh, some of the conference tournaments that are coming up. Um, Friday night. Uh, Virginia ACC plays a rare Friday night game. Might have been the only Friday night game of the whole year. Virginia Tech beats Miami by 14. Do what they need to do. Um, Virginia Tech will have a decent seed uh, heading to the ACC tournament, and they should be probably end up being a top, I'd say, seven seed in the March Madness, and uh, that'll be a you know use against for me. Uh, you know, Buffalo knocks off another crappy team by 11. Maryland. Uh, we'll talk. We could stop at this one, though. This is kind of important. Maryland beats a, a Minnesota team. Minnesota scrapping to get in the tournament. A lot of people said after Minnesota's win against Purdue uh, earlier in the week, I believe it was on Monday night, that should have played them into the tournament. Um, go to Maryland. Tough place to play. Maryland, a very young, talented team. Uh, they lose by nine there. What would seem to really help Maryland out in a big way tonight, uh, we'll get to later on, they ended up uh, kind of reversing effect. Uh, pause. I guess those are two semi-decent ones. Anything on Miami VTech, Minnesota, Maryland? Uh, no, nothing on those for me. Um, like you said, Purdue, the better team. When I mean, uh, sorry, uh, Maryland, the better team, defeats Minnesota, and then uh, – the Virginia Tech, I mean, they just did what they had to do. Miami's not very good, of, as we've spoken about on this show multiple times. So they just, as the better team, just did what, what they were supposed to do and, and won the game against an inferior team. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Saturday, Louisville, Virginia. Uh, look, this is kind of one of those things that I took, talked about in the opener of our intro. Uh, also, six five seven three three one six nine two to get a hold of us, whatever you want, sports. Um this is one of those where it's like, look, Virginia should win by 50. They probably win by 50 uh, any other day. Virginia's just looking to get into the ACC tournament healthy. Louisville fighting for their life. Uh, Virginia gets a five-point win, gets out of there, and, and heads home. And that's basically that kind of game to me. Uh, pause on that. Yeah, I mean, same thing. They're the superior team. They were up by more. And then, uh, you know, it just kind of got close at the end there a little bit. Um so, yeah, it really wasn't the, – the game wasn't as close as the score line made it seem like it was. Yeah. Uh, Duke, Carolina, look, I, I, it's the same thing, repetitive. Uh, Zion, they they blow this team away without Zion. They don't – I can't wait till we see them on Friday. He drops 50 against them and then just tells them to go – uh, go pound salt. This UNC team is not very good. I, I know Paz is high in them. I, this team will not go very far in the tournament. They're inconsistent offensively. Duke's down two starters. They And it takes them three offensive fouls against Barrett, so he plays no defense just to let them get ahead by a little bit. I like Duke's fight. Alex O'Connell, game looked a little bit too big for him. Uh, Reddish had a good day. Barrett had a Okay, Day. Drove start to drive in a triple team. Shouldn't have taken that three late in the game uh, in triple team. No reason for it. There's four other guys in the court. Um, I hope that when Zion returns, he starts going back to the play the way he was playing in the middle of the season by giving the ball up to other players when they're open instead of the way he played against Gonzaga, driving a triple team. And that's something he did here. He took that three in triple team, literally. Um, but 
uh, with all that being said, uh, I just can't wait for Friday because we should blow this team out of the water. And uh, really, there's a, there was a couple articles I saw actually that were written by bunch of different people that said both the North Carolina's wins in their opinion are completely meaningless. And I'm kind of on the same thing. That's not just being a Duke Homer. That's just, honestly, that's how I feel. Um, they smack us up at home. That's a, that's better. This they literally in a complete dogfight, and we're actually losing. If you look at, they were losing more time in the, of the 40 minutes than they actually were winning. So that to me, that's just kind of embarrassing. And uh, they basically let Duke play into Duke's hands. You have to do, dominate Duke inside when Zion's out and they just kind of got in a three mode and um, Duke can compete with anybody when without Zion, without Bolden and when they go into three mode, um, please like that. I, I beg you to do that. So uh, that's kind of my thoughts on that. Really. I just, it's just another game that just doesn't really all that important to me. Pause. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's not very important, but I do think that, um, it's going like the committee is going to have to take into account the fact with Duke that if they go in and they beat uh, North Carolina on Friday, North Carolina's two wins against them are absolutely meaningless because the committee is going to look then at Duke and say, all right, well, they've had one loss this entire season when every single player has been there and they're healthy going into the NCAA tournament. So there's no reason why they're not the best team in the country. Um, I really think that if they beat North, I mean, we will probably go through this a little later on the show, but if they beat North Carolina, they immediately jump. If they're not on the one line right now, which I still think they probably are, um, they absolutely jump up back up to the one line just by beating North Carolina on Friday. And then it doesn't even matter what they do against Virginia on Saturday. Um, though I think they'll probably beat them again as well, but you know, we'll talk about that next week or later. In yeah. The week. Sure. Yeah, that or later than that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Um, Auburn beats Tennessee by four. Look, I don't think Auburn's that great, but it's tough to go on the road. Um, and crowd was really into it, man. They were amped. Anytime Tennessee kind of was starting to pound it down their throat a little bit, um, momentum was turned so quickly in Auburn's favor with the crowd. And um, that's that's part of college basketball. And, hey, I give those Auburn guys credit. Got off to a great start. Went on kind of a skid. Um, knock off a team who's five in the country. And like 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 Paz said, well, we're gonna get into this kind of after we do our little recap here. But um, I think this has huge huge ramifications for Tennessee. Pause on this one. Yeah, I I didn't get to see too much of it, but um, I mean, this is a game Tennessee probably should have won just in terms of, you know, they are the better team. I know going on the road is tough. Uh, Auburn's been kind of down this year and, you know, been playing below where I think experts thought they were going to be. Um, so, yeah, I think Tennessee ultimately really should have won this game. But, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I don't think – I thought I think Auburn was probably a, a lock to get into the tournament, but now they're absolutely a lock to get in. And uh, I'm not too high on them, but – um, yeah, it's it's more of a a detriment to the Tennessee side than it was for you know like a, a game for Auburn. I feel like um, Tennessee's really not played well against the best better teams that they've played, and you know again Auburn not being at the top of the list, but they lost to them. I mean they have one win against Kentucky. That's pretty much all they have in terms of you know like high quality wins this season and. It's scary to think 
that if you, you that you're going to take this team or or take you know as a number two seed to think they're going to go far without really having a quality win other than a home win to Kentucky on their schedule. I don't know. It's kind of a dicey situation, that's for sure. Yeah, and um, we're big here giving props to our callers. Props to our guest caller, Rick, man. He, he, he said this Tennessee team is going to be dog shit and, and is overrated. That's got to be almost two months ago now because um, it was very, very pre-Kentucky. That's that's over a month ago almost. I played in that tournament on the 16th, so that's just short a month ago. So uh, props to him. He saw what we see now 60 days later or 60 days earlier. And, um, you know, props. Props to our guest callers. Uh, Michigan State, Michigan. Big win for Michigan State here. Um, man, like you, I would have to think that this team for me, look, I don't think anybody can be Duke fully healthy. Um, nobody, I don't, I think Duke's on their own tier, but if you ask me like who I thought was a national title contender before I get this, actually, I still have yet to see Zion Williams on a court. So I would have to have contenders. I would say Duke, Gonzaga has a ton of talent, Kentucky, and I didn't – that was it for me, those three. And I didn't have this Michigan State team on the line. What they – look, I know Michigan doesn't have the offenses they've had in the past. They had an elite. But to match their D, they had a good, a great offense with an elite D. The year before, they had a good offense with an elite D. This year, they have a – I don't think their offense is as good as the one two years ago with Walton Jr. and stuff. So they have a okay offense with an elite D. Um, regardless of that and how I feel about them in that way, for Michigan State to do this without their best player, home or not, um, and this wasn't close. I mean, they drubbed them. Uh, I beat them up by 13. Uh, listen, you got to drop a game plan if you're Michigan. Uh, hey, they're at without their best player. Let's really – we're supposed to have this elite defense, number three in the country. Let's really lock down here. They don't. Uh, Michigan State hangs 75 of them. Home, I get it. Senior night, whatever. Um, I, I think this for me – gets Michigan onto the level of national title contenders if Zion Williamson doesn't step on a court for the rest of the year, in my opinion. Uh, this is just a huge win. Without your best guy, uh, if, when he comes back, you, you how do you not say this team is even more dangerous? No? Uh, pause on this one. Yeah, it was quite unexpected, actually. I, I didn't think – I thought this would be a better game, but Michigan State was up by 10-plus the entire game pretty much, and – they just completely shut Michigan down. And like you said, they they aren't as good or as, as powerful on offense as they have been the past few years when they've gone on their run. So um, this team is going to have trouble, especially if they're – if they're not going to play up to par on the on the defensive end, they're really going to have a lot of trouble scoring, and which they've shown that they, they do have that trouble. So, um, yeah, I, I think this game kind of told a lot about, about both teams where Michigan State, you know, without Ward, which I saw a thing saying that he's going to probably be back for the NCAA, I mean, for the uh, Big Ten tournament this week, so – He's even going to be going to be back before the the tournament next week, so that's a, a good sign for Michigan State. And yeah, they're they're a dangerous team. They're they're I, I think that they're depending on how the seeds fall, they're absolutely have a shot at a number one seed. Depending on you know what happened what happens elsewhere, but they're squarely on the two line now, and they're probably the best. They're definitely the best two seed out there. Um, 
So, yeah, someone that I, I do not want to play in a tournament. That's that's for sure. Yeah, you never want to play that, man, when, you know, Izzo always does his thing, you know, with the world. I mean, two years ago, they had that ridiculous upset. But uh, besides that, um, he's taken a lot of teams that have been eight, nine subpar Michigan State teams a long way. So never want to see them, never want to see Izzo. I think he's one of the better guys, too, in the you know, of what's left in this nonsense going on. Uh, that's something we'll touch on, too. Uh, Texas Tate. Texas Tech goes to Iowa State, beats them by seven. Paz mentioned last night, like, their offense is kind of, you know, getting going now. They're, they're still definitely just not for me at all. Um, I don't want these guys anywhere at all. But uh, with all that being said, you know, this is another game where they, they score. And uh, this Iowa State team, I mean, this is the definition of a roller coaster. You're talking that a team that was a two seed after they beat Kansas State and was on a four or five game run is now an eight seed in Lenardi's bracket. So you're talking about what was that pause? Maybe oh that was the same day I was going to the tournament. I was listening on the radio. So you're talking about you know give or take from 23 to 28 days ago was teams a two seed. And 23 to 28 days later, they're they're an eight seed uh, or seven seed. So I mean, uh, this is the well, look. We said, I, especially I touched on it. Like every time they get a lock, they drop on a lock, they drop on roller coaster. But th- this is the definition of a roller coaster here. And uh, man, uh, here's another one. So like I said, between 23 and 28 days, this team goes from a two to a seven. I mean, that's got to be, uh, you know, I'd have to like really look back and research. But that's got to be one of the biggest exchanges of seating in a three three week period uh in a very very long time or that i can remember uh that's for sure pause yeah we um we were calling them you know the the sort of jekyll and hyde team but they've sort of just turned into um the jekyll or the hyde i don't know which one's the uh the dark one but uh yeah they're they're not uh they're not going anywhere in the tournament. They're done. Uh, I think they've lost what, like six of eight now. They are, uh, they're a shell of what they were. We, we thought that they were a potential final four sleeper team and they're a potential sleeper to not make the tournament. They're closer to, you know, not making the tournament now than having any shot to get past the first weekend, let alone the final four. So, um, I don't know what happened to them. I, I don't know. You don't very you don't often see a team with as much talent as this Iowa State team has, just sort of hit a wall like that. And you know they're they're all upperclassmen. Um, you know Shayok, he doesn't look anything like he he looked earlier in the season. I don't know if he's got an injury going on. You know, sort of what we we talk about with Carson Edwards, but uh, I don't know, man. They they're just they're an absolute shell of what they were and they are in big trouble and they're probably not going to win a game next week. Um, depending, obviously depending on matchup, whatever, but I mean, if they win week one you know, or game matchup one, they're not, uh, they're not getting past the first weekend. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, LSU Vandy. Interesting here. I mean, look, Vanderbilt is one of the, 42nd the 42nd worst team in the NCA so uh I'm not shocked that LSU beats them by 21 uh the more development of the story is that as we spoke about on Thursday um 
of course, not the NCA steps in and does something about it, because why would they ever? They just have to align their pockets. But one good guy for once, the LSU uh, athletic director, steps in, suspends Wade uh, for after he heard the wiretap, clearly. And as I mentioned on Thursday, I don't know how any of these idiots are not realizing he literally says the guy's smart, who's the guard. He says the name three times in the wiretap. Nobody's talking about it. Like, it's just like all straight and it's some code word. I mean, it's obvious to anybody with an IQ of one that he's talking about the guard smart that he got this year, especially considering the three wiretap phone calls are dated two weeks before the kid signs. So, like, hello. Anyway, AD suspends both Coach Wade and Smart. Uh, I would say that Smart, a much bigger suspension than Wade because Smart is actually a pretty good player. He's he's just as good as Waters. He's right there. Waters is a very, very good player, but Smart's there and plays big time. He's six man, but he plays like 28 a game-ish. So, I mean, that's a lot. That's, a, that's, big, that's big time minutes. And um, I don't think Wade's a good coach at all. Wade is a coach uh, built by money, and he gets the recruits and has money. It's not like he makes any differences. Uh, I mean, this is a guy that is in an overtime game, uh, brings in Waters, who has had the flu the entire game, didn't play a minute, and he comes in and, and falls on the ground because he's exhausted. So that was his, you know, that was his go-to play out of a timeout with 11 seconds left. So uh, this is the type of coach he is. He's a coach that's built by money, not built by skill. So I don't think losing him is as important as losing Smart. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward. SEC is not that great. Like I said, are you all pumped up about what they did against a Vandy team by 21 as if like whatever. And then also just to the idi- the idiotic fans, like, look, if, uh, if, if I found out the allegations on coach K and Zion were coming down, um, the last thing I would be doing if my AD stepped in and tried to keep my program clean is boo the guy to the point where he actually has to leave his, his seat at the stadium and just completely go back and go get, watch a game at home. You guys are all scumbags and idiot. He's trying to clean up the game. He doesn't care about your wins and losses, okay? So just shut shut your mouth and go back and do something else. Go grab a beer and drink a beer or something. You have no clue what you're talking about. Let's try to keep the game clean and enjoyable for all the fans, not continue to be ruined by your idiotic freaking coach and players, but then you got to boo the ad so he's so uncomfortable he needs extra security and go home you guys are ridiculously idiotic pause yeah i I think the there's really not much for me to add at all um obviously losing your head coach and your i think he mostly comes off the bench right he's like their sixth man losing your sixth man um are two things you certainly don't want to do yeah but he he plays big time minutes it's it's like it's right, like right, Neil Jefferson, saying, right. you know what I mean? Six man, but he still plays thirty minutes, you know. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. If he, a guy's playing twenty five to thirty minutes a game, it's you know he's basically a starter. So, um, yeah, and then also Nas Reed has an injury, so I don't know what his status is. They haven't announced that's right. it yet. That's if right. I saw that. Okay. If he's going to be playing in the tournament in the SEC tournament, mm-hmm. if they're just going to kind of hold him out and day to day or whatever, but uh, yeah, I mean, look, if they if he's I don't. It didn't sound like it was too serious, so I don't think he'll be gone for the the rest of the season, so to speak. But I mean, if they lost him too, they're, they're those are two huge pieces for them, and and then you know obviously the head coach as well. So not the time of the year that you want to have something like this happen. You'd want it to happen. You'd obviously want it to never happen, but you would prefer it to happen earlier in the season, so that way at least you could adapt to a new coaching staff or you know a new head coach, you know, calling plays and whatever, and then uh, different players and how they act on the court and, you know, interact on the court. So 
rough for them. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what it is. Kind of sucks for us because this is both a team that we were both playing against and now people hop on the same bandwagon as us for that reason. So, but you win some, you lose some. For us, I feel like we just keep yeah. losing them because every team that we hate keeps we're... losing. So, yeah, it's just absolutely. not going in our way right now. <laughs> Um, nope, all right. certainly not. Yeah, Purdue goes to Northwestern. I know people are going to be like, oh, Northwestern's 13 and 18. Look, this team, uh, I riled it off two, three weeks ago on our college game day show. They play every team close within five, three to seven, I believe, was the, the thing that uh, I came up with the pause when we were talking about this team. So, uh, look, you go in there, you beat them by 13. That's more than a, many others. Uh, the most important thing, that's something Paz and I have been touched on a lot, Carson Edwards, 21-5 and 5. So, a little bit of revival for him. He, as mentioned, don't want to be repetitive. He is needed more by a team than I would say. I would have to quickly glance at the top 25, but I would say of the top 25 teams in the country, I would say he's probably the most important player to a team. I guess you could say Zion because Duke is clearly not even close to the same team without Zion, but Edwards carries such a big load for this Purdue team. And uh, I would say, you know, him or Zion, besides that, they're two players that are, their team is very reliant on. I know Duke has other pieces, but if you see the team they were then compared to the team they are now, uh, they're night and day. And uh, same thing with this Purdue team when Edwards isn't going. Uh, they don't, they don't go either. And this is all something that Paz and I mentioned where they needed to rile it off a couple here just to secure themselves in a good spot, uh, but also stay sneaky. And they did that too. So, um, they're in a good spot here in the, in this big 10 tournament coming up, which should have, uh, should actually be a tournament that has a, um, what would, I, what would you call it? A big, a big determination on seeding for them as a whole, because I think a lot of the, uh, a lot of things that play out in this conference tournament will have a lot of, uh, uh, justification on uh, on their seating because it's very competitive. A lot of teams there that deserve to be in it. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of teams like the likes of Indiana are trying to go and run here, uh, maybe get themselves in, which would bump some others down. Uh, you know, some uh, additional play by Michigan State without Ward or with Ward bumps them up a little bit. So I just think that's probably the of all the conference tournaments, the one that will have the biggest determination of, of seed changing uh, going forward to our Hey, less than a week away. Uh, one of my favorite days. Paz? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, uh, Purdue gets the job done. The nice road win. Um, the Big Ten tournament is absolutely going to have a bearing on the the seed lines for a number of teams. Um, I think Michigan right now is sort of fighting for that that two line Michigan state, I think is sort of set in that two line, but has the possibility of moving up to the one line, depending on, you know, what happens. Um, Purdue, I think is probably either on that three or four line. And they're sort of trying to solidify themselves on that line, uh, you know, in that area. Um, Indiana's obviously fighting for a berth. Ohio state's fighting for a berth. Um, I don't know what the committee thinks of Iowa. I would think that they're probably in, but They've sort of dropped a bunch of games now in the past two weeks. I think they've they're lost like three or four now. So, you know, teams like that sort of fighting for to not be on the seven or eight line, you know, but to be more on like the six line. So there's a lot that's going to have to uh, sort itself out in the Big Ten. And, and as we mentioned, both every team is going to be 
you know, since no one's really locked in anywhere, everyone's going to be playing to win the tournament. Whereas, you know, you might see different differently in, in other, uh, in other conferences. So yeah, it's going to be a fun tournament to watch. Obviously very competitive with it being so such a good conference top to bottom, but uh, there's a couple of teams just to keep an eye on, you know, the ones that I mentioned uh, to see what they, if they're able to improve their seed or, or just kind of stay where they're, where they're projected to be now. Yeah, definitely. We'll get that. We'll get into that a little bit more after we finish the review. We'll kind of just give our thoughts a little bit on where the bracket is now and who could do what to make a little bit of noise or movement or, you know, maybe kick themselves out. Um, Two games that really not much talk about. And then one that was kind of, you know, prominent Uh, Kansas at home senior day beats Baylor by eight, Uh, whatever. Baylor's not that great. And I don't, I don't think they're anywhere near the tournament, but uh, you know, I'll have to recheck. That's something we'll talk about uh, shortly. And then Florida State goes to Wake and just gets the job done that they need to. Wake's, you know, a bottom dweller ACC, another tough season for them. I love that. Co- I love Mr. Manny, man. I think he's a great coach, a very great guy. I I, I don't know. I, you know, I really don't – I follow the ACC, like, the back of my hand, but I don't follow, like – you know, every single team's recruiting. I don't know if he's not getting recruits or he's losing in-staters or whatever. I hope he gets one or two here because I just, you know, uh, to me, he's like Mike Bray. Like, I love Mike Bray over there at Notre Dame. I understand that's a prime competitor for Duke, but I I just like to see him be successful. He's a good coach. He's a good guy, uh, does a lot of stuff for charity and cancer, and Danny Manning's the same way. And I think Danny Manning's a good coach. I just – he doesn't have the horses, you know, and uh, I just, I just, I would have to really look into more and see what, where he's missing. Uh, you know, I don't think it's coaching. I mean, they're, they're competitive. They took Duke down to the wire and I understand Zion list and I get it, but I mean, uh, I just hope he gets a couple players and swings it around, but neither here nor there. Florida state goes there, gets the job done by eight. So Kansas by eight over Baylor, Florida state by eight over Wake Forest, anything on those two paws? Uh, no, nothing for me. Okay. Uh, one crazy one, uh, both Paz and I watched. Georgetown beats Marquette by two at Marquette. Um, so I mentioned on Thursday, uh, the, so this Marquette team, there was 7.24 left when, yeah, 7.24 left when my wife walks in from Ash Wednesday Church. Um, they don't play, they stop playing defense completely, can't buy a basket. This game went to, and that this is the same thing they did against Nova, except less time. It was about five. This did the uh, game was exactly the same. Um, they don't look fatigued and exhausted. Maybe they are completely fatigued and exhausted, and we just can't see it. You would think that a college basketball player at the age of 18 and 19 would be conditioned enough to hang around a whole game, especially with a coach who prides defense. Um, this one, at least they played a little bit of defense, but they cannot buy a basket in the final six, seven minutes. It's like they go from running a great, efficient set offense to like, they just stand around. It's like they go five wide. They go into five spread. Usually most teams call, uh, Duke just calls it five up with five with the thumbs up. But it's what, what that means is, you know, you're going to spread it around five ways, all five guys outside the perimeter, make everybody extend and cover. And like, but they do that, but they, no one moves. So they're just like passing it around, like they're playing all around the world with each other. And I, you know, this is uh, this is. I didn't see the uh, what game was it? There was a game before the Villanova one that they did it too. 
but escaped. So this is four of the last four games now. They cannot do anything offensively or defensively in the final seven seven minutes or less, and three of them result in a loss. And uh, it's just very concerning to me. They also were atrocious from the line, which also would lead to fatigue. Uh, Man, I, I really love this team and really want to play them. Having a guard like Howard, guard play is so big in March Madness, and having a guard like Howard is huge. But, um, man, they they, uh, they don't know how to close basketball games, and it's it's almost as bad as Louisville, except it, while Louisville throws it away, they just this, this Marquette team just shoots it away. And I uh, I don't know. I know Paz is set at the same as mine. Maybe he has a little bit different perspective. But uh, what, what do you think, Paz? Yeah, I think that having a player like Howard is obviously a great thing, but it could also be a detriment. And I think that I think Marquette is sort of facing something where like in the last in the final few minutes if they're if they're struggling a little bit, then their only option is like, all right, let's just give the ball to Howard and, and let him do what he does. Meanwhile, but then in the last you know, in the last like five or six minutes of that game, he picked up two charges. He, you know, turned the ball over a couple of times. Like they, they almost, and look, which what, what you have to do, you have to defer to your best player sometimes, but I feel like they defer to him too often and become really predictable on the offensive end. And then, you know, on the off chance that one of their other guys gets an open look, they end up missing it. And then they just end up going scoreless for long periods of time. And, and then they just stop playing defense too, which that's going to get them into a lot of trouble where, you know, something that they they were higher up on the board in terms of efficiency earlier in the year, now those they're not getting those defensive stops. So that way if, they're, if they are a little cold from the offensive end, they can sort of rely on their defense, keep themselves in the game. But, I mean, the leads that they've blown over the past couple of weeks are, are really not – it's really scary to think, you know, that it's happening now rather than something in the beginning of the season where they could kind of correct it and, you know, move forward, things like that. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I was pretty high on this team too. They're, they're sort of becoming in that they're sort of moving into like that untrust, untrustworthy, uh, you know, area of, of these, of some of these teams. And that's not what you want when you're, if you're going to think about picking a team to go far or, you know, someone that a team that you think has the possibility to go far, it's, you really can't trust them at all. And which ultimately means maybe they win, you know, maybe they get to the elite eight or maybe they lose the first weekend because they, they break down in the last six, seven minutes of the game and, uh, you know, a hot shooting team sort of just comes up and bites them. So I don't know what to think about them. I, I, I want to see them play a couple of games in the, in the conference tournament. Hopefully they get to play Nova again, just to see them up against, a formidable opponent and then you can, you know, maybe they, hopefully they put them away and, and then you can kind of say, all right, you know, maybe they just went through a rough patch. Maybe they were a little tired, a little fatigued. Now the extra, the, you know, the week off in between the conference tournament and the, or the five days off in between the two tournaments, will give them the time to rest and, and get back. And, and then you can expect the normal Marquette to show up. But until we see that, you really have to question, uh, you know, question their, their ability and their, their ability to go far in the tournament. Yeah. And, and I will say like the other two, the three before this are all against teams. So Nova, Seton Hall, both two teams uh, that really play five. I don't know. 
not true big men, uh, so they could go out and they're bigger than the likes of Howard and all these shooters. So when they're that much bigger than him, that disrupts Marquette. That's been Marquette's flaw. That's where what you always hear myself or Paz or you know what they you know people that want to call themselves experts say. Oh, that's, you know, the March Madness comes down to ma- matchups. And it certainly does. And those are bad matchups for Marquette when a big guys can go out and cover them. This one different. And I don't mean any shade on him, but I mean, Howard's having trouble versus the likes of, of Mike Bibby wannabe at five, seven and a half. And the other guard was maybe five, eight tops. So it's not like this one uncharacteristic for me where I get why your offense goes into a shutdown uh, or they're extending you now. They're over top of you. You can't get your shots. You want uh, bad matchup. This one, I mean, this is a matchup winner for you and you can't get it done and you, and you throw it away. And that, that that's why this one's a little is, I would say not much more, but a lot more, a lot more concerning for me than the, the other two. Um, Nevada, San Diego State uh, crushed a Nevada UNC parlay, so I thanked them for a second half year. But besides that, who cares? Uh, Kansas State, Oklahoma. I didn't watch this. I know Paz did. Kansas State wins by 15. Uh, you want to touch on this one, Paz? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really watch a lot of it. I just was flipping back and forth between a, a couple different things. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this was like a 20 to 25-point game pretty much the entire game. So, uh Oklahoma went on a little run and cut it from, I think, like 19 down to 12 or 11, and then it just, uh, you know, kind of stayed in that same same area for, for the rest of the game. But, you know, Kansas State had the chance to share the, the Big 12 title with a win, and, and they got it done. And, uh, yeah, look forward to the Big 12 tournament. The, the news with them is that they don't know if Wade is going to play in the Big 12 tournament because he's getting treatment on his foot. So, I mean, look, I would rather him sit out and I think they're sort of locked into, you know, like a four seat at this point anyway. So I'd rather him just sit out, get the treatment, be ready to go for the NCAA tournament because they obviously can't win without him. But, uh, yeah, that's that would be a big blow if it ends up being anything more than just, you know, him sitting out for treatment. That is actually uh, an issue, which it's been an issue the entire season, but um, actually since last season. But, uh yeah, I mean, hopefully it's just treatment and, and you know, they're just kind of giving him a rest and then he'll be back for uh, for the NCAA tournament. Interesting. I mean, the conference is so bad, they could probably win the conference without him tournament if they really feel the need to, but they don't really need to do much, like you said. Uh, I guess, yeah, both of them. So, Seton Hall really laid the wood to Nova. Nova kind of came around and tried to keep coming back into it, but Seton Hall just, the crowd was pumped up man they really great atmosphere and uh nova uh, nova just couldn't get close enough to really you know take seaton hall down and i just thought i thought seaton hall played a very good game uh the, the threes didn't fall as much in the second half as they did in the first but uh pal just was dominating on the glass and uh just played a good overall game in that forward spot which is where nova really has their best players they don't have the guard play they had in the previous year so uh big win for seaton hall like i said we'll touch on very shortly here after these next couple uh kind of our thoughts on, on someone and you know seaton hall is definitely one of them but uh that's a big win for seaton hall to keep their hopes alive and then UCF, you know, this is the worst conference in all in all the NCA or equal to Pac-12. Both of them are terrible. American Pac-12. UCF goes to Temple, gets stomped by five. I mean, like, 
it down by more than that. Just a joke. I mean, this conference is so bad. Houston, Cincinnati suck. UCF is terrible. Temple, like, give me a fucking break, man. Um, and then, get, uh, pause. Actually, we want to touch on those two first, and then we'll kind of touch on some of the other ones of importance that first, you know, seeding and tournament wise. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Houston really blew out Cincinnati. Um, I think that they were trying to make a statement with that game just in terms of, you know, the the best opponent that they're probably going to play all season. Uh, unless they, I forget who they played in non-conference, but nobody, um, but you know, look, a road game, a road game at Cincinnati isn't an, uh, an easy place to play. It was a good game. They they played really well. I think if they play their best, they can compete for a little while with with the you know the top end teams. But they're just you know talent wise, start to finish or you know top to bottom is is just less than um, you know less than these other teams in the in these bigger conferences. So. I don't expect them to, you know, to really go far, but they're talented. Um, and then the other game was, what was the other game? Sorry. Nova, Nova Seed Hall. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, this game, I think, was just more of a, like, a necessity game for Seton Hall. So, you, Nova got Seton Hall's best shot. I mean, Seton Hall really blew them out. I, I know it ended up being just like a six-point game or something or five-point game, but this was double-digit game pretty much the entire time. Um, I Like I said, I think this was more just a – this was a game that Seton Hall needed and a game for Nova that, you know, it really didn't – really didn't not that it didn't matter for them, but it wasn't anything – you know, a loss or a win really wouldn't have changed much for them in terms of – looking forward to the NCAA tournament, where they're going to be seeded. Um, they still ended up winning the Big East. So, you know, they're going to have the number one seed in the Big East. They're probably going to end up winning the Big East tournament and, you know, end up on the, I don't know, the four line maybe. Uh, I don't know. That's just a guess. But yeah. All right. All right. So, yeah, we'll kind of change the role here to um, some – some Wait, games that went down. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You didn't, you didn't touch on the most important game. The what? Washington I didn't get the Hutchins Sunday yet. Losing to, uh, yeah, that's, 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 that's yeah. We didn't get there yet. Come on, dog. Oh my bad. All right, Cle- Clemson. I've been telling you guys, man, to keep watching this team. I hope you tailed them. I've been telling you for three weeks this team's coming. Take out Syracuse at home. By third, by twelve, big win gets him. How how big gets him from not even in consideration of March Madness? They are now on Lenardi's last four in. They will be in the ACC tournament coming up here. They get the initial um, first. What do you want to call it? First day, day one by or whatever whatever they call it now. First day by, day one by. Um, and uh, that's a huge win. So they'll draw as the nine seed NC State, who's a very beatable team. Uh, they do have to open up on the afternoon game on Wednesday, but uh, they should be able to beat NC State. And then they draw Virginia, which is important because, as I mentioned a while ago, I think, and, and pause too, I would say that Virginia is one of the teams 
um, with Gonzaga that are locked at number one. No matter what happens in this co- uh, conference tournament, they get the, they are locks for number one seeds. No doubt about it. They can't. They lose their first round. They're still got number one seed. Whatever. And um, Bennett may turn a focus to you know the likes of sports psychologists are working on things. March Madness to be March Madness ready. So Clemson gets a team like that. I don't think he's shooting a gun to win the ACC tournament uh, as his most importance. He's got to get these guys over. If you don't think that there's a little bit of a ghost sitting on their shoulder from that game, you're a little crazy. Um, so big win for Clemson there. Let's them to draw NC State with a win, get Virginia, which could be a game that ends up being a – Winning, you're in, losing, you're out type of thing. I, I Maybe NC State, I went over NC State, who, let's see, where is NC State, right? Where does he have NC State? He also has NC State as a last four in. So I maybe the win over NC State puts Clemson in, uh, or whoever wins that game is in. And that uh, so that ends up being a huge game at noon, and I will definitely be tuning in to that in the background at work. Pause, anything on that, just kind of the Clemson and the draw for them there? Yeah, I think it worked out best for them in terms of, I know you don't want to play ultimately play the number one seed, but like you said, uh, Virginia is absolutely locked into a number one seed. No question about it. Uh, so to draw a team that really isn't playing for anything per se in the, in their conference tournament is a best case scenario for a team that's playing for almost everything in their conference tournament. So Good for Clemson. Uh, I think they absolutely handle NC State. And then they, I think even if they play Virginia tight, I think that they'll move up from that first four in line. I think they'll be in like that um, or last four in, whatever. Um, I think they'll be in like one of those, end up being in the, the la- one of those last four buy spots where they don't have to play one of those playing games, um, which is where I think they kind of belong. And uh, I think they'll get there with a win over NC State and, at very worst, a, a close loss to Virginia. Yeah, I'm with you, definitely. Uh, okay, next one that of importance. TCU beats Texas by uh, 13. Doesn't look that big on the surface. However, TCU was off the bubble going into this game. Lenardi puts them back into the last four in. Uh, big win for TCU. I don't think they're all that good. Bain goes off for 34-6-2 uh, to secure this win for them. They're 7-11 in a bad Big 12 conference. And uh, uh, let's see. We'll see what happens to them. Let's just kind of pull up what they're um, – what they got to kind of, you know, what they're up against. Like I said, uh, I, you know, Paz is bigger on the this Big 12 than I am. But – so they got to play in the first round against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is terrible. Um, and then they would have to play Kansas State on Thursday at 2. So probably not a good route for them. They should they should beat Oklahoma State, and I think they would lose to Kansas State. They may catch a monster break if Wade doesn't sit, and if they get that break and beat Kansas State, that would probably put them in and – which would be beneficial to me because I will definitely be on the opposite side because they do not run any type of offense that's anything impressive. Pause. Yeah, TCU is – I don't think they should be on the bubble at all. They're, they're a, a subpar team. It's like – it's another one of those teams where, like, I think a 
I think a team like Belmont, who lost to Murray State, would wipe the floor with TCU. I really do. Um, and I think they're far more deserving to be in the tournament than TCU. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think it matters that they – that they won the game against Texas. I mean, Texas has a few really good wins, but they also have some really bad losses. And I, I don't know if I don't know if Shaka Smart how much longer there he's going to be there. I mean, he seems to underperform with the amount of of recruits and talent he gets there every single season. I, I don't know. You know, he sort of he hit the big time at VCU with with running his you know his type of defense and and getting those you know not so not so highly rated recruits. And I think now that he's getting higher rated recruits, he's not getting the same amount of effort out of his players that he got with the, you know, the scrappier guys and things like that. So I think, I think that's been a a negative, I I think it's been, you know, more of a negative, um, even though he's getting better players, he's getting a, a worse response out of those better players just because, you know, they don't want to press all game. They don't want to, you know, bust their ass the entire game. They don't want to run end to end. So it's, uh, you know, I think that's why he's having a lot, a little bit of trouble uh, at Texas, whereas, you know, he kind of thrived while he was at VCU, obviously a much smaller program. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't think TCU deserves to be in, so. Yeah, that's a very good point about that. I, I never really thought about that way. I always wondered why he isn't as successful, but that makes a lot of sense. I have to. I also have to look. I mean, is he really drawing big recruits? Like, you know, I don't know. He's another one. Like, I don't understand why Manning loses at Wake. I don't really understand why you know Shaka's losing there. Uh, you know, maybe he's losing out on some big timers. I mean, Texas Tech keeps getting better. You know, I don't know. It's something I have to look at. But I definitely agree with your point there. Uh, another big one and, and important to our tri-state area, six five seven three three one six nine two. Give us a call. Weigh in on your thoughts or ask about your team. Uh, St. John's loses another one. Uh, Xavier, yes, I understand. On a huge run, win nine in a row, fine. Um, but St. John's drops this game to Xavier by 13. Uh, a team that was a seven seed when visiting Duke, I believe that was – I want to say mid-January uh, heads in on March 11th into their conference tournament as an 11 seed. Um, man, another team where you say, hey, love guard play like Pons. However, Trey Jones is somebody who shut down Pons uh, completely, and you'll see a lot more of that in the tournament than you will some of these Big East bums. But uh, what a another one. Another one, not as bad as Iowa State, but um, – this is this is pretty bad, especially to on your you know like I said on your way into a conference tournament in the March Madness going in the complete opposite direction. Pause. Yeah, I don't know what to make of St. John's. I they have some really great wins on their schedule, um, and then they have some awful awful losses on their schedule. I I think they're sort of they're absolutely playing themselves out of the tournament. That's exactly what they're doing here. If they would have just picked up a couple of these wins against, you know, even if they, even if you say, all right, whatever, we split with the Paul fine. Like, you know, we had one bad game away, but then we beat them at home and whatever, like, all right, let's split with the Paul. Let's, let's beat Butler. Let's, um, who else? Uh, let's beat Xavier, like not get blown out by them. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if honestly, if they lose, if they lose their first game in the Big East tournament, I think they're out. I really do. Um, 
they are it's just so disappointing. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's coaching, which it could one hundred percent be. I don't know why they seem to just play to their competition no matter who they're they're playing against. I mean, they even sort of they hung with Duke in the first half a little bit too, you know? It's like yeah, ultimately then they end up getting blown out because Duke's talent is far superior to theirs, but it's almost – I really feel like they just play to their competition and they just expect that, yes, they're a senior-laden team, they're they're talented, that, you know, ultimately their talent will just kind of take over and they'll end up be able to fight fight out games and, and win them. But, I mean, that hasn't been the case with, as you've seen the last, you know, couple of weeks, they're – they're really not playing very well. And I think they're 100% playing themselves out of the tournament. If they don't get a win in, if they don't win their first game in their, in the conference tournament, which I could pull it up really quick and see who they are drawn against. Um, Sorry, I should have had this prepared. I apologize. They are playing. uh, This doesn't have the names on it. It just has the numbers, but they're going to, I think they were the, the nine seed, so they're playing, or the eight seed. So I think they're playing the nine seed in the tournament, whoever that ends up being. But um, but yeah, I mean, if they lose that first game, I think they're out of the tournament. Yeah, hold on, I was pulling it up for you. Um, they have DePaul, who they lost to like a week and a half ago, ten days ago or so. Uh, yeah, so they lost to them twice this year already. If they yeah, lose to them so, again, they're yeah, they're out. They're one hundred percent out. They're out. They should not. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Murray State punches a bid, uh, first bid of all the teams with a twelve-point win over Belmont. Congrats. Uh, look, uh, did anybody see what Kevin Durant tried to do in March Madness and unsuccessful? And and he uh, he would he would piss his piss on uh, Morant's face. Um, I actually, the actual announcer said the other day that Moran is better than Zion Williamson because of his performance against Jacksonville state. I repeat his performance against Jacksonville state who, hold on, let me, let me say who is ranked. Uh, yeah. Who's the 115th ranked team in the country. Uh, Duke's played the number seven defenses in the country. Okay. So Moran's better than Zion because of his performance against Jacksonville state people. That that's the people at ESPN higher nowadays. With that being said, uh, if they think they're going to get going to get by with Morant needing to uh, shoot uh, 29 times to get them a victory, uh, good luck with that. And um, they have no counterparts to him. And people will ride because people love to ride a single player March Madness until they realize it's in in college basketball it actually takes team. And uh, I'll be on the opposite end. Maybe he shakes some things up or he goes in absolute beast mode and drops 40 on somebody that doesn't have a great defense, like in Iowa. Like I could see him tearing up in Iowa and just out completely outplaying them. But uh, if they play anybody that's in the top, I don't know, 35, 40 team defensively, they're going to gonna get their tits blown off. And, uh, and the fact that they think that Belmont should be in now too because they stole the seed, that's craziness. They just, they're out. Come on. Let's come on now, seriously. Pause anything on the first ticket punch, Murray State. Uh, no, but I actually I think Belmont deserves a shot in in the tournament. I really do. Um, they <laughs> tell me why we're talking about these when we're talking about these bubble teams right mm-hmm. now. Um, mm-hmm. If you, I mean, look, I've only seen them play a couple times this Belmont, year. I don't Belmont really has have the two hundred and thirty first worst schedule in the NCAA. They deserve to be it. So hang on. 
Yes, they do. Hang on one Come second. Come on, man. Come on. I'm a, I got to pull this up now and just see this. 231st. All right, here we go. Let's see here. I want you to tell me what who they played so far they deserve to be in. All right. Um, Illinois State, Middle Tennessee, Lipscomb. They beat by four. We'll see. Didn't Lipscomb have their championship game this weekend? I don't know. Yeah, they lost. Uh, Treveca, Nazarene, Kenshaw State, Sanford, Green Bay, Lipscomb, UCLA, Western Kentucky, lost to Purdue by 11, lost to Jacksonville State by 10. Tennessee Tech, Moorhead State, Eastern Kentucky, lost to Jacksonville State by 11. Tennessee State, Murray State, Austin Pay, Southeast Missouri State, UT Martin, Eastern Kentucky, Moorhead State, Tennessee State, Tennessee Tech, Eastern Illinois, SIU, UT Martin, Southeast Missouri State, Austin Pay, And they lose to Murray State again. Well, how are the days either be in the tournament? That is atrocious. I, I think ultimately it just it comes down to when you're looking at these – when you're looking at these bubble teams right now, right? All right, like, so hold on. So here, here, I'll give it. I'll give this to you. Here, is does do they be uh, deserve to be in over Indiana? Um, probably not. Probably, bro. Come on, Indiana is probably not. way better resume than. Okay. All right. Okay. Do they deserve to be in over Creighton? Uh, and I don't like the yes. Big East. You think that they yeah, have a? They deserve to be in over Creighton. Where's Creighton? Uh, I do, yes. Hold on. Creighton, 43rd hardest schedule. Come on, dude. Creighton. Uh, let's see. Okay, so who – Belmont's best win is what? You want to give me who? Lipscomb? I guess. Because uh... they might be in the tournament. There's nobody else. UCLA? UCLA is under 500 this year, no? Uh, uh, yeah, they are now. When yeah. they played them, they so, were okay. obviously higher. So their ranked. best wins, Lipscomb, okay? Creighton has beaten uh, Clemson by five. They lost to Gonzaga by only 11. Lost to Oklahoma by 13. Lost to Marquette in overtime by two. Beat Georgetown, beat Butler, lost to Nova again in OT. That sucks, man. Twice, huh? Hmm. Beat Marquette by six. And Providence on the bubble. Beat Providence by six in OT. And beat Providence twice. Beat Providence by 13 and six. And Clemson. They have three three wins right there off the bat that are better than anything that they have. That. Belmont has. Alabama. This one maybe I give you. Yeah, I, I don't think Alabama should be getting in either. They don't have a they don't have a real quality win on their schedule. Um, Somehow Alabama has a twenty twenty fifth schedule. That I don't understand. Where is this team? Uh, I mean, I don't know, man. I just, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, they don't deserve to be in over Clemson. They don't deserve to be in over NC State. TCU? I mean, TCU hasn't really beat any of the good teams they played. Because you got to throw Iowa State out now. 
St. John's. I could see Belmont over St. John's. I'll give you that one. Texas on the bubble. Uh, I'd have to look. I feel like Texas played some pretty tough teams non-conference. Florida, no. I mean, at least Florida could, like, play some defense. Temple, I'll give you Temple. So maybe. So of the 8-12 teams we just made, maybe they should be in over, like, three of them. Four of them. What do you think? Yeah, I I would probably be a little – yeah, I would probably be on that four or five of them. Uh, okay. Sort of area. But, look, I mean, I'm not saying that they should absolutely get into the tournament, but, you know, when you kind of compare them to these these teams where you've seen them against good teams, you know exactly what they are. They're not very good, like Alabama, like Florida. Like, we know what they are. They're awful. You're better off. I, I really feel like the committee is better off giving a shot against a team like Belmont, who, yes, they're obviously – mired in the Ohio Valley Conference. And, yeah, it just sucks that UCLA happened to be shitty this year and they lost, you know, a a fairly competitive game to Purdue for two of their bigger non-conference games. And, you know, just so happens that they lost to Purdue and they beat a shitty uh, UCLA team, you know. Um, I don't know. Uh, It's just kind of my thinking. I'm – I'm of the mindset I'd rather find out about a team that we don't know as much about rather than putting a team in that we know exactly what they are and that's, you know, dog shit. So that's just kind of yeah. kind of my mindset and just, you know. I get what you're saying. I'm more, I feel like I want to see the 68 best teams battled out instead of like, you know, sometimes you let this nonsense in and, you know, I'm not going to break it to the world. We're working on a little bit of model and just look at the last – uh, what do we have, 20 years almost? Look at the last 20 years. You just see way too many of these teams like Belmont getting in and losing by 32, which is like, come on now. It's like enough. Uh, but I, I don't know. I get what you're saying. I do think that they deserve to be in over three or four of those teams, like the likes of Alabama, TCU. Like, see, they would get, like, you know, like if Murray State had to play Florida, Murray State would get killed because Florida could play lockdown defense. So, like, they'd be screwed. They'd just double-team Morant and it's over. But I don't know, whatever. Um, all right, moving on to Sunday, some punchers and some important ones, Wisconsin. Both Paz and I said Wisconsin had to win out. Every game was mandatory. We thought the Ohio State game was a little bit of a shaky one. They went out, uh, and, hey, look, they did exactly what we said they needed to do. Important for them, you know. Um, look, they – such a weird team, man. Like, they just – don't know what to make of them. Big Ten is tough. Like, they just go in such offensive slumps. You, just like Michigan, you can't rely on the defense. And I think Michigan's offense is just a little bit better than Wisconsin's, uh, especially against a team that has guard play because have, they're an inside, dump it in, slow-moving offense, use the shot clock. They're like a lot of like Virginia, but they don't have as good of a defense as Virginia or as good as an offense as Virginia. So that's where they'll falter. However, the win does bump them from the five seed, which would have had them have to play on the 14th, uh, which would be Thursday uh, against like the likes of Rutgers, Nebraska. Instead, they get a bye, so they sit out to the 15th. Uh, they'll get the winner of Maryland, Nebraska, or Nebraska Rutgers, and then the winner of that game plays Maryland, so they'll get the winner of either they'll get Nebraska Rutgers or Maryland, basically. Uh, big that's big for them uh, and important for them going forward. They would unfortunately have to see Michigan uh, Saturday at noon, but hey, uh, look, 
no matter who you're playing in this one. I mean, shit, Minnesota has a shot to run the table. Ohio, I guess if they play a tiny bit of defense as a shot, you have Indiana as a nine seed has a shot. Ohio State's played really good basketball for stretches. They have a shot. Northwestern has played great at home. Now they're on neutral court, probably on the outside looking in. I'd say Nebraska, Rutgers, Illinois is the outside looking in. But, hey, you got let's, you got four, five, six, seven. Like at Maryland, Maryland, those young guys decide, hey, moment's not too big for us. They got a shot. So you legitimately here have your top, I would say, nine seeds all have a shot to possibly win this tournament. And, uh, hey, that makes for a great conference, great basketball, and uh, you got yourself in a position to at least get yourself an extra day of rest or two extra days of rest than everybody else. Uh, pause on uh, Wisconsin and, and the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, uh, not really much to add. Um, I'm happy uh, Wisconsin is continuing to win. I hope they – they get to at least the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament. That way they'll, you know, they'll hopefully be on that, that four or five line in the NCAA tournament. And, uh, you know, we can play against them because we both know that they have lots of trouble with uh, with athletic scoring guards. And they're probably going to face at least one of those, you know, against a lot of the – a lot of the, you know, like smaller schools, that's usually what they what they have. They usually have like one guard that can really fill it up, and I think that's going to give them a lot of trouble. Yeah, so and just touching on that, Indiana right up after that, another team that Paz and I both said had to really win out. They do uh, take care of Rutgers. They get themselves, as we mentioned on Thursday, that puts them at the nine seed, uh, have to go against Ohio State, who, like I said, I think, you know, I think one can argue that the top nine seeds don't have a shot here. Ohio State's tough. They lost them already. Uh, Lenardi has them as a first four out. I would say this is probably a must-win game. Win the game and you're in. Lose the game and you're definitely out. Uh, that, that would be my opinion on Indiana, just because they're – Conference record's not great. Resume, when you look at it, 17 and 15. If they would lose this one, you're like, eh. Uh, gives, like as Paz mentioned, gives some other teams an option. Why should a 17 and 15 team get in over a 28 and 5 team? Uh, so, Paz, any thoughts on Indiana? And, and do, you, do you agree a win and you're in, losing you're out? Um, I would say win and I think they need a win and a, a good loss against one of those top four seeds um, in order to really just solidify the fact that they're um, – So they would get, they would the get Michigan I mean, State with a win. Yeah, so I think like a – I think a win and then a, you know, like a nice loss against Michigan State where they play them competitive for, I don't know, 32 minutes of the game and then, you know, Michigan State sort of just puts them away at the end. Um, I think that will get them into the tournament. I really do. I mean, when you're when you're talking about teams like Alabama and Creighton and um, you know who else sort of on like the same level as um, TCU you know, and Indiana, State, their their yeah. their good wins completely outweigh the wins of these other teams that are, that are sort of like in the same, same bracket as that, you know, Florida, Alabama. I mean, come on, like Indiana is a better team than, 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 you know, these teams that are sort of on that last four in first four out type, uh, you know, type bracket, uh, bracketology things. 
Yeah, look, when you're playing the best conference in America, uh, I understand the conference record's not good. That has to be weighed in as a factor. I don't care what Alabama did against the SEC or what Creighton's done against a really bad Big East this year. Uh, You know, Indiana is in the hardest conference in America, period. And that's why a lot of people complain about what the ACC gets in. And then every single year you see a team like Cuse who needed to be a, a, a last four in goes on a, you know, run to the elite eight or you like the Clemson's or FSU's are all of a sudden in the elite eight. And they, they, everyone said they shouldn't be in because their conference record. And uh, in my opinion, I think the big 10 is the best conference in America this year, better than the ACC. While it's tough for me to say that's that I'm a straight shooter, man. I tell it how it is. And that's the truth. I think the big 10 actually, that plays the ACC by a good margin this year. I just think the ACC uh, bottom group, not that great. So, uh, yeah, to me, I'm with pause hundred percent, you know, they, they, their, their losses, uh, you should have to weigh how much your losses are in the conference. Cause when you're playing the best conference in the league, that should make a difference. Really should. Um, yeah. I mean, look, we're, we're, we're also talking about teams like we're talking about teams like, Arizona State on the bubble, um, or, you know, in on some people's brackets, out on others. But, like, I mean, come on. I mean, how many more times do we need to see this Pac-12 and, you know, whatever. Um, Even, even like, Seton Hall, I think they're they're definitely in. But, I mean, you know, another 18 and 12 team that, I don't know, TCU. Like, yeah, I kind of feel like Indiana is – is a better team than these than these teams that we're we're naming now. And yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Uh, and then later in that night, Liberty punched a ticket against Lipscomb. Um, wins by six. Look uh, again. Uh, what's where are they at? They're ranked. Uh, they're twenty and six. Ranked sixty three in the nation. Have played the two hundred. 67th easiest schedule in America. I mean, look, uh, this is a team that Duke is beat by 31 and 39. And uh, I don't know. They'll probably be a 16 seed and they'll get completely trashed. So whatever. Uh, and then just today, uh, let's see. That looks like uh, first round. That's a semifinal. So let's see. I mean, great. Gonzaga's being Pepperdine in a semifinal. Gratz. Charleston's up against Northeastern in a semi. In a final, Iona's beaten Mammoth. I didn't. Wow, the final, the championship game was a 16 and 15 team against a 14 and 20 team. I've seen Mammoth play a couple times just because where I'm located, not good, really not good. They'll one of those two teams will certainly be a 16 seed. Uh, Duke's got the likes of Iona a couple times as a 16 seed. Thank you. Um, final, Wolford beats UNC Greensboro. In the Air Championship final, I, Wolford was in anyway, so that helps out the likes of, like we were saying, St. John's, Texas, Florida Temple, and you know NC State, TCU, because that opens up the opportunity of you know UNC Greensboro not stealing a seed for one of them. Uh, UNC Greensboro won't make it. Wolford gets in. Interesting to see where they're at. So Lenardi has them as a seven. I mean, this is a team that goes 29 and four. They're ranked in America. Let's see. Ken Palm, where does Mr. Ken Palm have these guys? He has them ranked 20, so that's four spots higher than than uh, the APP hole has them. 110 strength, uh, hardest schedule in the nation. That's actually pretty good. That's uh, let's see, what, what's their schedule like? Pause. Anything crazy with them? Well, they usually let's play see, like I think they lost the close game to UNC. They beat. Yeah, they opened the season against UNC. Uh, looks like 
uh, at home or maybe a neutral site, doesn't say. They lost to them by only 11. Yes, first game of the season, I understand that. Uh, Oklahoma lost by 11. South Carolina, they're having a down year, right, with Martin. I saw him complaining the other day. He's always complaining, but they they beat them by yeah. 20. What are they this year? Are they any nothing? 18? Are they over 500? So they, yeah, they're over, they're in like that. I mean, I don't think they're on the the bubble anymore. But at one point, you know, a week and a half ago, they were con- talking about them possibly being on okay. the bubble. I think they're like so 17 or 14 terrible. or whatever. That's not terrible. East Tennessee State. I th- I just saw them. Weren't aren't they in a championship? Is that tonight? So that, um, that's a I don't know if that's win. tonight, but I, I thought think I they saw are. them in a championship. Yeah, I thought I just saw them. So that's not a bad win. They stomped on them by 17. Lose to Kansas. Ozenbaki went out like right around this week. Might even have been that game. Yeah, I'm not sure. It was literally right around this time. So uh, they got beat up by them pretty bad by almost 30. Lost to Mississippi State by 11. UNC Greensboro, the team they just beat in the championship, they beat by almost 30 earlier in the year. Uh, East Tennessee State, they beat again by 2 and OT. I'll have to look up on – or maybe they just beat them in the semis because it's the same conference. Yeah, they yeah, just so they just, they just beat them in the – they beat them in the semis, yeah. They beat them by nine in the semis. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that's 110. Is that a, a body of work about how bad the strength of schedules for some of these teams is? I guess. I don't know. Uh, very interesting. They'll be a very, very interesting team to, uh, I don't know, to see kind of where they're seated, who they draw. I, I saw them play that one game. I took the bet on them and parlayed them. But besides that, I haven't seen them against a team of quality. So that's going to be a head scratcher for me. Pause. Anything on them? Yeah, I watched the entire game tonight. I think okay. that they they looked really sluggish in the beginning of the game. I think they I mean, look, when you're when you've won like 20 games in a row, I guess there's a little bit of complacency sort of sets in, especially when when you know that you're going to get into the NCAA tournament even if you lose your conference tournament, um which they were going to get in no matter what. Um but they they take some bad shots. Um, I don't. I think a lot of it's going to come down to matchup, but I'm not too in love with them as, you know, as sort of like a Cinderella type team that can win a couple games. I, I don't know. I I didn't really like them too much tonight. I think they they get a little out of they got a little out of control at times. I don't know if they were just forcing things because they were down, but okay. um, I yeah, I, I'm not I'm not too high on them. I think. Uh, I think they're they're probably going to end up on that seven or eight line, and they're probably going to draw a pretty they're probably going to draw a pretty good power five team. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of those like I don't know, uh, like a Baylor or a um, I don't know, maybe a Syracuse, maybe an Iowa State, you know, something like that. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they'll be able to beat any of those those types of teams. But that's just kind of my thinking. I, I don't know. Okay. Be interesting. Bad job on my part. Should have watched that game tonight just to get a little bit more on them. But, you know, you don't win them all. All right. I'm going to kind of just run through, just kind of give a yay or nay. So one seeds right now, Virginia, Gonzaga, North Carolina, Kentucky. Um, I think Kentucky, if uh, Reed is healthy, uh, beats Tennessee probably in the SEC championship again. They should probably lock there. I would say come Sunday – uh, maybe Paz and I will do a Sunday show 
I don't know. We'll figure that out on Thursday, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what we'll do with that. But neither here nor there. Um, I think uh, Sunday comes Virginia, Gonzaga are locks. They're not moving anywhere. I think Duke will beat North Carolina on Friday if Diane Williamson even lace up his shoe on the court. And that will take North Carolina's seed by Duke. And I think Kentucky holds there. So I think on Sunday we see Virginia, Gonzaga, Duke, Kentucky. And realistically, Duke should be over Virginia as the number one overall seed concerned. They beat them twice. But, I mean, that's just crazy to me. Anyway, um, and they really should be over Kentucky because they smoked them by 35 too. But neither here nor there. Pause. Uh, who's your number one uh, come Sunday? Yeah, I think um... – I'm in agreement with you. I think the the scenarios are this. So if Duke loses to North Carolina, Duke is on the two line, North Carolina is on the one line, and it'll be Virginia, Gonzaga, as we both said already, they're locks no matter what they do in their conference tournaments. Um, though, you know, Gonzaga losing to, let's say, Pepperdine or something uh, certainly says a lot more than – uh, UPA losing against Clemson or whatever, but uh, they're still going to be a lock for the number one seed. The the two second, you know, the the third and fourth number one seeds are the ones that are up for grabs. So the three, the the different scenarios are this: if if Duke loses to North Carolina, North Carolina is on the one line, Duke's on the two line, and then the winner of the SEC is on the one line as well. If it, assuming obviously the winner of the SEC is Tennessee or Kentucky. Now, if Duke loses to North Carolina, the um, uh, Kentucky or Tennessee do not win the SEC and Michigan State wins the Big Ten, then I believe that Michigan State is going to get that fourth number one seed with North Carolina and Michigan State. Now, I mean, I'm sorry, with uh, the other one with North Carolina. Then the next scenario is Duke beats North Carolina. They're on the one line, no matter what happens in the championship game. And then same thing, the winner of the SEC, assuming that it's either Tennessee or Kentucky gets that fourth number one. But if Mich- if neither of them win it and Michigan state wins the big 10, then they're up on that line. But if Michigan state doesn't win the big 10, then I think Kentucky, probably ends up with that, um, you know, with that number one seed. But I think based on the way that the SEC is lined up, I think that Kentucky and Tennessee actually might have to play each other in the semifinals. Okay. So Tennessee and Kentucky have to play each other in the semifinals of the, of the SEC. So if I guess whoever just goes further, you know, whoever wins that, that semifinal game will be the other number one seed, obviously, assuming that Michigan state doesn't win and you know, that neither one of them end up winning the, the SEC. But I think ultimately long story short, my number one seeds are going to be UVA Gonzaga. I think Duke beats North Carolina with, uh, with Zion. And I think Kentucky is the superior team in the SEC. And I think they'll win the SEC title. Okay. I'm with you on all that. All right. Ball team wise. Every one of these teams plays before we come back on on Thursday. Let's call it the are we talking about them or not talking about them come Thursday show. St. John's versus DePaul. I'm going to say we are not talking about St. John's on Thursday. You? 
Um, I disagree. I think St. John's is going to win this game, so I think we're going to be talking about them. But I still don't believe that – like, I don't think this win guarantees now that they're they're in the tournament. I think that it just doesn't knock them completely out of the tournament, you know? But I think we're going okay. to have to talk about them on, on Thursday. Okay. Texas plays Kansas. We talking about them or not talking about them on Thursday? I'm going to say no to this one also. No, we're not talking about Texas on Thursday. Okay. Florida has to play Arkansas. I would say we're talking about them on Thursday. So we're talking about them from the standpoint that they'll beat Arkansas, but then they're that probably going be, to draw. Yeah. They're going to draw probably who after that? They're going to draw. Well, we'll talk about that on Thursday. They'll be alive then. Yeah. Yeah. So right. Okay. So we're going to talk about them on Thursday. That's right. I forgot they're going to be playing Thursday night. Will be that. Right. Second, or Friday will be that that next. Yeah. Week. So yes, we'll be talking about Florida on on Thursday. Okay. Uh, Temple is currently waiting for. Let me see. It would have to be the three of the last seeds. Uh, hmm. I don't need this tor- this conference so bad. I can't even can't even tell you who it, who's in it. All right. Uh, Temple. They will play the winner of which Wichita State or East Carolina. I will say we're probably going to talk about them. Yeah, we're definitely going to be talking about them. Okay. NC State has Clemson. Uh, We're not talking about them. No, I don't think we're talking about them either. But we're talking about Clemson. On the other hand, we're obviously talking about about Clemson. Yep. TCU has Oklahoma State. I'll say at that point we're still talking about them because Oklahoma State is terrible. Pause. Yeah, I agree. But I think TCU is out no matter what, unless they obviously run the table. But, um, yeah, we're probably going to have to mention them on Thursday. Okay, so back-to-back bumping each other is Ohio State and Indiana, and they get each other. I will say we're not talking about Ohio State, and we are talking about Indiana come Thursday. I thought Indiana's playing Penn State in the first round. No, Indiana, Ohio State, 8-9. Yes, you are right. Um. I think that I think we are probably talking about Indiana as well. Um, Ohio State's just been on a little bit of a skid. I don't know if they are they in already. I, I don't know. I don't think so. But they're on, um, they're on the first four out, both of them. Yeah, I mean on uh, CBS, he, the guy has them in on CBS, but like in in, not even on the first four. But yeah, uh, I mean, I think that. A loss there probably flip flops Ohio State and Indiana. I would think put you know Indiana in and, and Ohio State probably on like the first four out uh, the first four out line. Okay, uh, Creighton gets Xavier. I'm going to say we're not talking about him. Xavier on a very good run right now, and they always show up this time of year. I understand different coaches, et cetera, but this is like their time to shine. They've gotten they've gotten Duke a couple times, and they just got to go sneaky. And uh, I'm going to say we're talking about Xavier, not Creighton, although uh, I believe Xavier's already in, right? Yeah, pause on this um, 
Yeah, um, I think we're we're not talking about Creighton. Um, is Xavier in? Uh, I'm looking. It doesn't look like it. Well, not for him at least. Yeah, I don't so. think they are. Uh, maybe yeah, maybe they keep they they're good um, going on this run nine straight. That'd be ten. They could possibly go in eleven straight. I mean that uh, that'll be tough to deny if they go around. They always show up this time of year. It's so hard to like count them out, man. They you know maybe they win it. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Bama has Old Miss. I think Old Miss takes that one. I'm going to say we're not talking about Bama on Thursday. Uh, yes, I agree. Okay. Georgetown has Seton Hall. Ooh. Ooh. Ah, oh, man. I really don't – I didn't like this Georgetown team at all. I, Man, Seton Hall used their home court advantage so big this year. Uh, I'll give you my answer. I think Seton Hall wins this game. So yeah, I'm leaning Seton Hall too. I didn't like this Georgetown team all that much. I thought Marquette really just gave them the basketball. All right, I'm with you. I don't think we're talking about Georgetown. Uh, St. Mary's has uh, San Diego. Are we talking about St. Mary's? I'm gonna say yes. San Diego's terrible. Pause. Um. But they'll just yeah, get they'll I mean, get, that, actually, they'll get them, spanked by Gonzaga, they'll get spanked by Gonzaga before we get back on on Thursday anyway. Yeah, so. that's what I was gonna say. I think yeah, their their tournament ends tomorrow night, so we won't even no, we're gonna know that St. Mary's is not in the tournament on uh, on Thursday night, so we will not be talking about them. Yeah, and Furman's praise they lost their semi, so they're probably out now. I would say they have no shot. All right, that kind of wraps yeah, up our college basketball segment. We'll kind of do the same thing. Uh, Pictures will be a little bit more clear for us on Thursday. Maybe we'll do a little bit like even like some live, you know, not play-by-play because that's illegal, but some, you know, live thoughts and stuff. I know Paz has the TV uh, type of thing to look at. I've been thinking about for a while now to kind of put one in the office here. My wife gets to work home a couple of days. I do the others, you know, just some background noise, but neither here nor there. Maybe I get one by Thursday and we'll kind of do a little play by play or something for some of the important ones. There's some, you know, Thursday or actually shit, man. Duke will be on Thursday night. I don't know. We'll figure that out later in the week. Uh, we'll take a little quick break here. Get some water and stuff. We're going to touch on some baseball. There's something I want to get to on Thursday. We didn't, we're going to break that down. Some New York Yankee stuff. That's kind of irritated me that I spoke to pause about this morning. We'll discuss. So, uh, Yankees baseball or hey, anything else, six five seven three eight three one six nine two. We like to hear your calls and interaction and uh all that good stuff. Quick break, uncut sports talk featuring Rhino and Friends. Kiki, do you love me? Are you riding? Say you never ever leave from beside me. Cause I want you and I need you. And I'm down for you always KB. Do you love me? Are you riding? Say you never ever leave from beside me. Whole time. I 
look like she nasty. Look at she, look at she, look like she classy. Look at she, look at she, look at her dancing. Look at she, look at I took her to the mansion. Yeah, yeah. You sneak out of the crowd, baby, it's a no-brainer. It ain't the hardest shoes. Him and me be for real, baby, it's a no-brainer. You got your mind on loose. Go hard and watch the sun rise. One night it change your whole life. Fuck up, drop top, baby, it's a no-brainer. Put them up if you with me. <laughs>
World Series winner, Boston Red Sox, the number one OPS batting team in all of baseball, number eight pitching staff. As Paz just mentioned, 10 teams in the playoff. They rank top 10 in both. 2017, Houston, number one batting OPS in all of baseball, number 11 pitching. Again, team that's ranked number one in one of the categories. 2016, Cubs, number three in batting, number one in pitching. So, again, top 10. 2015, Kansas City Royals, 10 in batting, 10 in pitching. 10 teams get in, ranked top 10. 2014, Giants, number 14 in batting, number nine in pitching. 2013, Red Sox, number one in batting, number 14 in pitching. 2012, Giants, 14 in batting, 7 in pitching. 2011, Cardinals, number 5 in batting, number 12 in pitching. 2010, Giants, 16 in batting, number 1 pitching staff. 2009, Yankees, number 1 in pitching, number 8, or number 8 in pitching, number 1 in batting. 2008, Phillies, number 7 in batting, number 6 in pitching. 2007, Red Sox, Number three in batting, number two in pitching. The first outlier in 20 years that doesn't meet the criteria that has a top 10 playoff, top 10 pitching staff or top 10 hitting staff. 2006, the Cardinals had the 14th best offense, 16th best pitching staff. So they're the first team that's not ranked in the top 10 in either category and also not ranked in the top three in either category in all that time to be able to do that. 2005, White Sox, 16 in batting, third best pitching staff. 2004 Red Sox, number one offense, number three pitching staff. 2003 Marlins, 16th best hit offense, eighth best pitching. And 2002 Angels, sixth best offense, fourth best pitching. I'm pretty sure the recipe is pretty good. OPS, gets you there. Pitching staff, gets you there. Need to be right around top 10 or top three in both to win a World Series. The fact that he thinks it's pure luck and no one has a recipe for it, is ridiculous. And if you go look, look, where the Yankees falter is what gets them in the playoffs. They're not ranked in those top two categories. It's going to be a tough time for them, man. And it's just it's just so annoying to listen to. I just had to make sure I proved them wrong real quick. Also, tonight we'll be going a little bit extra later, thanks to the technical difficulties again. So we'll be on until about 10-10 instead of 10. Pause, anything on that? Uh, no, I pretty much covered, uh, all the, the specific points there, you know, basically saying that the, the recipe really is OPS teams that, that are top 10 in OPS and, and, or top 10 in, you know, pitching. I, I don't know what you, what you're saying with pitching. Is it just team ERA or is it, uh, you know, some yeah, other categories it's a, it's involved a, there? It's but, a split uh, of uh, st- staff ERA and bullpen ERA, and they put it together, and they uh, they weighted to. It's like it's like basically OPS plus uh, just for pitching. Okay, gotcha. So, gotcha. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, those are those are two things that, uh, yeah, are pretty important in the game of baseball, pitching and hitting. Yeah, I don't know how hard that is to figure out, but for some of us, I guess it is. But somehow they're prominent figures, and we're just these two guys here on uh, just Rhino and Paws on a uh, blog talk radio. All right, don't text me, because for the first time ever, I'm actually going to go back and read the points I made to you today, so don't text me. Um, 
All right, so uh, on the Yankees here, and as as these things get going, this is going to be, I'm not even going to lie about it, this is going <clears> to <throat> start to become a little bit of a New York Yankees radio for a little while. Like we cover college basketball now, Yankees will take over that top end, and uh, I'm sorry, I hope you like New York teams. But I'll talk all baseball. I love baseball. Um, so just, you know, just Brian Cashman being Brian Cashman and, and then some other things stem off it that I just don't understand. And as I mentioned before, I think Aaron Boot is, is basically a million dollar babysitter. I, I don't, he doesn't, uh, you could just tell by his interviews. I don't think he calls any shots. I don't think he even makes the lineup. And I honestly think it goes to such a degree where Cashman calls in for bullpen moves and stuff. That That's what I truly believe um, just by reading his body language and his interviews post game. And, you know, it's always, we, it's never, I thought it's always, we all, we thought, I don't know who we is. Uh, and to me, it's Cashman. He goes by that computer, as I've mentioned a billion times in my rant and everything else. So uh, I put a lot on Cashman. I, I just look, did Boone get out coached in that series? Yeah. But it was, it was it core out coaching uh, Cashman or core out coaching Boone. Uh, I do think he got out coached there. I thought that made a big difference. I think if Joe Girardi's there, that goes differently. But I don't know how differently. The reason it goes differently is because Girardi is known that he wanted to be able to make his moves and call his shots. And, um, you know, he uh, didn't get the ability to do so. And and Cashman didn't like that about him. So he's kind of out of a job. And he's basically waiting for a team to move away a little bit from, I don't say, I wouldn't say so much from the analytics, but uh, move away from players only coach to kind of his way, which is less players. He's more about, I don't know, winning and whatever than he is, you know, catering to all, all these needy divas. So with all that being said, Cashman goes on, has an interview, says Clint Frazier is not playing to the ability to make the team this year. So again, just like the Sonny Gray situation, a guy you could try and sell high on as a, um, you know, a, a, a buy low, expect a better performance and a pitcher's friendly park. Um, you know, he blasts them. We end up getting basically nothing back in return for him. Now the Clint Frazier thing does the same thing. Trash him. Clint Frazier uh, ranked a top prospect for as back as far as I can remember, even before he was a Yankee, when we got him in that deal, it was supposed to be this huge pull. Um, and for when we got rid of Andrew Miller, when we were kind of in sell mode, isn't anymore just because he's not a prospect status due to at, their at-bats. It's 50 at-bats. And I want to say... Or no, is it? No, it's 120 at bats, 50 innings. So he's exceeded the 120 at bats combined. So he's no longer considered prospect status. With all that being said, he's a very useful chip to be in trade pieces. But when you blast him in the media, that takes down his value. I don't think anybody can argue that. I don't, it's not all that difficult to understand. So he blasts Clint, Clint Frazier, somebody that we could easily put into a thing for bum gardener because we're probably going to need pitching now that Seb is out. We also still are lacking a. Uh, what what I call shutdown playoff pitcher. Uh, Tanaka has shown he's he could definitely perform in the playoffs, no doubt about it. Shows up for the big game. CC does too, but didn't really have it last year. He's just kind of on the back end tail of his career. Yes, while he's an absolute gamer, he's also a gamer with age. Uh, Bumgarner's proven in the playoffs, uh, and I I think he still has it. So now you devalue Clint Frazier when we could have done Clint Frazier in a p- couple pieces. Instead, now it's going to be, you know, two major pieces, you know, Frazier, another major piece and whatever. It's just, it's, it's so stupid, but it gets me to a, a bigger point of like, I don't understand how 
you didn't want to go in at all on, on Harper. If you were so down on Frazier and, and really just, you know, you're just not seeing, not seeing enough to blast him in an interview, you don't go after Harper, who can anybody argue that Harper is not a better player than Brett Gardner on the back end of his career? Again, we got into this the other day. Love Brett Gardner. Top, top, top locker room guy was a great player for the Yankees homegrown a long time. It's on the tail end of his career. He's coming off his worst, worst year in his career. And I think that's due to age. I don't think it's anything else. It's like, it's part of life as we discussed. So you don't go after Harper now. So now we have Brett Gardner in left by himself, um, Hicks in center and judge in right. Stanton who played like this. I don't understand how Stanton plays in the NL for all of his career, except for one year, all of a sudden becomes uh, only be able to be a glorified DH, right? The guy is played in the field, this Holker in one year, you're going to tell me that he lost the ability to play the field. Did he not come in and play the field last year when judge was out with his injury, uh, his wrist injury for, I want to say it was about 45 days. Like he was in the outfield. All of a sudden this guy who played his entire career in the NL in the field does can't field anymore. Like I, I just don't get it. And you went and got a DJ LeMahieu, $24 million for two years. Why would, can anybody argue with me that it's not a better lineup with Hicks, Judge, Stanton, um, or you could even do, you could do LeMahieu, um, nah, because you want to kind of have the lefty ready. So Hicks, LeMahieu, Stan, uh, Judge, Stanton, Sanchez, Andahar, um, and then wherever you want to place them. I know they love hitting Torres last. Then you have the, the likes of Torres and you have Voight right there, whatever. Andahar, Voight, Torres, however you want to do it. Instead of having Brett Gardner bat nine, Torres bat eight, Andahar, Voight, five, six, or, or five, uh, six, seven. Like, I just don't, I, I don't understand how all of a sudden Stanton became a, I could only DH player. Like, I don't, I, I don't have an argument. I can't find one that tells me that a lineup with Stan and LeMahieu is better than a lineup with Stan and Gardner. I, I just don't get it. LeMahieu is a proven hitter. Yes, I understand the Rockies thing. I'm big. I was huge against it. The splits. I know Paz is uh, his splits over the last five years. He's more on them than, than I am. Uh, I still think that the Colorado splits are huge. But I don't, it, it, there's nobody that could argue with me that LeMahieu is not a better hitter than Gardner. And a, a, a lineup with LeMahieu and Stanton is better than a lineup with Stanton and Gardner. And I, I just don't get it. I don't understand at what point in time Stanton became a I-could-only-DH player. I, I, just, I, I just really just don't understand it. And um, I, I don't know, man. I, 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 don't, I don't get it at all. Uh, pause. What are kind of your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm in full agreement with you. I, I think that if you were going to be out on on Harper, which is fine, I don't have I don't have an issue with them saying we don't want to pay Harper, we don't want to go after him, we don't want him on the team, whatever. That's fine, but I, I mean, what they're what they're thinking about doing in the outfield is sort of a head scratcher. Where, like you said, it just seems like Stanton is just penciled into the to the DH spot on a you know. 90% game basis, which doesn't make sense at all because he, like you said, played in the National League. It's not like he's he came over to the American League now and he's 36 years old and he's not great in the outfield anymore. 
et cetera. No, he's still, you know, 29, 30 years old, right in his prime, still young. There's no reason why he shouldn't be able to, to play the outfield. And then that just opens up the, you know, the DH spot for someone like DJ LeMayhew or, you know, if you wanted to, to move a few different guys around and whatever, but it, it just gives you more flexibility from that standpoint when you can put um, Stanton in the outfield. And I don't, I don't understand it either. I don't know if something's going to come out as to why they don't want to play him in the outfield, but I, I mean, I think you kind of have to play him in the outfield, just especially now with, um, you know, with Hicks out and we don't know how, when I'll be back and whatever. I mean, they're, they're sort of limiting themselves if they're not going to put a stand out there at all. So I would hope to see him out there and, you know, them, uh, you know, being a little bit more flexible with their lineup and such, but I, look, I, I don't, I have no idea. So we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see another couple of weeks before, I guess when we know exactly what Hicks and how long he'll be out and, um, you know, how they foresee their lineup moving forward. Yeah, and uh, it just, again, I, I still just don't, I don't understand the DJ LeMahieu thing. Like, I okay, so I get it. So even, so say, okay, there could be a couple of things. So you're worried about stands, maybe wear and tear, fine. You're talking about LeMahieu is going to spot uh, Tulu twice a week is what their plan is. They're going to play Tulu five times, LeMahieu or Torres slide him to short and play LeMahieu at second two times. He's also going to spell Andahar. So for the first two months of the season alone, you're not gonna you're not playing seven games every single week. So let's say, you know, Tulu's there for four, LeMayu spells two, you're only talking that Stanton is gonna be out there two times a week anyway. So so Gardner's getting his, you know, his two games, then you got Stanton two games in the field, Stanton the rest of the times of the DH. And then Le, now you have LeMayu essentially in the lineup every day as a as a better hitter because he's gonna spell Tulu for two. That he's gonna, he, what should be is the stand in the outfield. Then, then you have him at the DH or whatever. So now you have, you know, Lemayhu in there for five gate, four to five games a week, uh, and then you have, you know, that's just a better lineup four to five times every seven days. I, I just don't, I don't understand it. Uh, you could almost do it even to a point where, uh, you know, every time, you know, and I understand righties, you're probably what 75% of uh, of rotations, I would say, uh, you know, are righties. So. Uh, you know, do it to the point where, um, you know, every time, you know, there's a lefty in, then you throw Stanton out in the outfield and, and then you have LeMahieu. So now there's, there, there's your spelling gardener. There's your extra two games a week where you have an even more lead up lineup in. Right. Uh, so, I mean, it could even be set up so perfectly. Like you're probably going to see a lefty, I would think once a week or so maybe, or, you know, whatever. And, and then there you go. So there, there's just another way where you take a lefty versus lefty matchup out and you add another righty versus righty lineup. No. Yeah, absolutely. That that does make sense. <laughs> uh, I don't know, just kind of crazy. Um, the Antonio Brown stuff. Look, I, I'm like, I, I'm so glad this is over with because just having to like log on Twitter and actually see like things I'm I'm interested about um, is just much better than log on just seeing constantly Antonio Brown. This is my thing about it. It's like. It's, so he's traded to the Bills. The GM says that Antonio Brown says he's not going to show up on camp, which Antonio Brown ends up tweeting later, and all your source dumps also send out later. I just I, 
I understand this is a, it's a completely different market from an employer, but you know, I, I just, I can't, I just, it's unbelievable to me. And it just, it like just makes me cannot, I just absolutely hate Antonio Brown. Now they're paying to $20.1 million to get rid of you. And then you're going to also demand on top of that, where you're going to go. So you're, demanding where you're going to go. You're telling the GM where you're going to go and where you won't go. And they're paying to send you away. Like, it, it, like when does enough become enough? Like, I'm sorry. Like you put your foot down with Le'Veon Bell. Why would you not put your foot down here? And then you get rid of him, and it's a third and fourth round pick. So you're getting better stuff in return from Buffalo, but he wouldn't show there. So you say, Oh, okay, we won't do it. Cause Antonio Brown won't show there or he sends it out first so that the bills get screwed. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolute insanity. After he did that, I would have said, you know what, dude, you want, you don't want to play for us. Good. Sit out the whole year. I don't care. I'm pay. Uh, I'm paying you anyway. I will get covered. Then we don't have to pay you anything. And you could, you go on your merry way tonight. It, it's just, it is absolutely sickening to me. And it's amazing. They paid to send this guy somewhere and he chose where he wants to go and they let him choose where he wanted to go. And then they get absolutely bent over by getting a third and fourth round pick. And when it's all said and done, pause on this one. Yeah, I'm happy. Uh, just like you, I'm happy that it uh, that it's over finally. Um, yeah, I, I, it really seems like the Raiders are going for it. They they signed that offensive tackle to a huge deal, and yeah, I mean they were really crappy last year. So obviously these two pieces that they signed are upgrades, but uh, yeah, they they still aren't very talented on the on the offensive end. So. They're going to have to do more than just sign Antonio Brown and expect to be, you know, go into contender mode now. Um, they're still lacking a lot of positions on offense and on defense. So, um, yeah, it's nice for Derek Carr to, to have a big option to throw the ball to, but um, not that I think Amari Cooper is all that great, but he did have Amari Cooper who he didn't really do much with. So I don't, uh, you know, yes, Antonio Brown's an upgrade, but, I mean, when you couldn't get the ball even remotely close to Antonio, I mean, to uh, Omari Cooper, if you can't get the ball remotely close to your wide receiver, it doh matter if you have B-plus or, you know, C-plus wide receivers or A wide receivers. No, it doesn't really matter. So I think uh, ultimately their their issue is going to lie with the quarterback. But, yeah, I mean, I'm very happy like you that the the Antonio Brown saga is over. And like the other thing is too, like, I mean, I'm not saying the that Ben's the greatest quarterback in the league, but um, I mean, good luck with uh, with him in the locker room after he freaks out on and Ben Roethlisberger, you know, minimum two times a game and it goes to Derek Carr. I can't imagine how that week by week two, the, you know, they'll be in a fist fight or something. So, I mean, good luck controlling that. No. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. Um, all right. Well, I'll go a couple of free agencies here. I'm not big on the NFL, so Paz can kind of just weigh in on on some of them that you know I'm not really familiar with. But uh, Jets uh, just got Anthony Barr. They, they need a linebacker desperately. Being in the area we are, I, I see the Jets a lot, and you know, plus the Sunday NFL ticket. But they desperately need a linebacker. Anthony Barr, um, you know, was considered one of the uh, an elite player for a very long time. One of the cornerstones of that what was supposed to be the best defense in all football this year. They did falter a little bit. Um, you know, I, I don't know what to fully make it on, but 
Uh, I think that's a big move for the Jets. That kind of fills a linebacker board. And like I said, he's supposed to be one of the best ones in in, in the NFL. And you know, could have been a combination of a whole bunch of stuff over there in Minnesota. I'm not really sure. Pause. What do you think on this one? Yeah, really good signing for the Jets. I don't know if the terms of the deal have come out yet, but um, yeah, on the surface, very good signing for the Jets. Uh, Broncos three-year deal uh, with uh, defensive back Kareem Jackson. Uh, Houston, really, I mean, it's tough. I always find it hard when you have uh, elite pass rushing line, the D-backs get kind of, what can I say? Uh, It's like when Zion helps out, you know, uh, Bolden. Uh, so, you know, the D-backs don't really get exposed as much. So I'm not really sure how big that is. There was somebody that, that had an elite defensive line and went, was it Janoris Jenkins? And then goes to the Giants and does nothing. I'm trying to think of who it was, but somebody that a lot of people like were like, oh my God, like he, he's, he's just made by his D-line and then went and he ended up being like a huge bust. Was it? I don't know if it was Janoris not, Jenkins. Not the Osawa? Yeah, it might have been him. I, I forget who, but it was like a big one. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's not George Jenkins, but neither here nor there. That'll be interesting to see what he does over there without. Uh, I mean, look, Broncos have a great D-line too, but, um, you know, maybe he gets exposed a little bit more. Uh, just a side note, Mariners uh, option Justice Seffield to AAA. So uh, maybe that ends up being a big trade by Cashman because I don't know. Um, all right. what There's some other ones here. Let's see. Colts uh, took uh, Devin Funchess uh, for one year. You know, uh, as Paz and I have mentioned a couple times, we're not very high on Cam Newton. Think he's overrated. Definitely plays for himself a lot. Uh, might be a nice signing for the Colts there with Funchess. I mean, look, Luck is, in my I think Luck's very, very good. Uh, he's got more protection now, so he's not on his back as much. And, you know, he could use some more options. Outside of T.Y. Hilton, you're kind of like, okay, where do I go with the ball? Uses his tight ends a lot. Uh, Jack Doyle came out of, you know, from bottom to, to greatness this year before getting hurt. Uh, who's the other one? Dwayne Allen, right? Uh, had a great year oh, again. Ebron. Uh, Ebron, that's right. Ebron. Thank you. Uh, Ebron had a great year. Um, you know, really, I don't want to say he did nothing in, in uh, Detroit, but a lot of people called him a bust for what he was supposed to be. He has a huge year with the Colts. So uh, this gives Luck another option to throw to. Uh, what's his name? Uh, that back was really great after he came back from injury. Uh, so they, they they put together a nice little offense here, and, and that might be nice. Funches in the slot. That's a pretty good option. Any thoughts on that, pause? Yeah, I think that's a really good signing. I I think it might be a little expensive for him. I think it was like $13 million, but um, I think they have a lot of cap space. And, yeah, I mean, getting uh, – this is a, a huge upgrade in terms of quarterback. I mean, you go from a, you know, a bottom 10 quarterback to a top 10 quarterback, he's going to have a, a very nice year this year. And all it does is just, you know, give Luck another option to throw the ball to, and that's – that can never hurt. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chiefs get Tyron Matthew for a three-year deal. Um, it's tough to, like, read the Chiefs D. Were they on the field so much that they got exposed a little bit more and, you know, didn't look as – it's not – what should I say? It's not – the book wasn't the, what the what the cover was. It was what's inside. Look, if you're, you're, your offense is scoring and, you know, they had drives of, like, you know, 40, 50 seconds and you're back up – uh, or you know, now in the field more than most, was it a, a product of that, or was it a product of the defense wasn't all that great? Uh, Houston was kind of down on Matthew this year. They didn't think he had a year that he was supposed to, but um, could be nice to you know shape up Chiefs D a little bit more. Thoughts on that one, Plus? 
Yeah, I think another one that I think was a little expensive. I think it's like three years, forty-two million, so uh, fourteen mil a year. I, I don't know if he's necessarily worth that, but uh, if Eric Berry can somehow stay healthy, um, you know, he's dealt with a lot of you know the Achilles, obviously. Then you know, obviously the cancer was was sort of out of his control, but uh, you know, a guy that's missed a lot of time over the last few seasons, so. Certainly someone to slide in there when Barry is out, but when he's healthy and playing, I mean, having Matthew and, and Barry in the backfield, that's a, a nice little safety combo you got back there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Suggs to Arizona. Uh, I can't, I know he's kind of a dick, but, I, you know, I've always liked that their little defense Suggs with, you know, Ray Lewis and uh, back in the day with uh, Ed Reed too, but um I always thought Suggs would be a lifer there. I, I, you know, there's a lot of reports he caused a lot of trouble in the locker room along with the, you know, outside things that he gets himself into. Um, Arizona needs a lot more than Terrell Suggs. I hate to break the news. I don't think I'm telling anything or anybody anything they don't know already. But uh, interesting. I just kind of stick that he won't be a, you know, Raven lifer. Anything on that, Klaus? Yeah, Arizona. They need Kyler Murray, bro. Come on. We've spoken about this already. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Adam Humphreys lands the Titans. Interesting because uh, Tampa Bay was supposed to be really high on them. Deshaun Jackson already wrote his farewell to Tampa Bay, uh, if not once, if not twice, 12 times, and like did another official one today. I mean, he's like Antonio Brown is begging to get out of there. Humphreys had a nice little year with them, so now it's basically everyone wants to always bash Winston. Uh, look, again, I'm not saying he's you know the best quarterback in the NFL, but uh, every single year it just ends up being him and Mike Evans, and he's supposed to you know work with all them. Humphreys had a nice little year, and now he's gone too. So with him gone and Deshaun Jackson home, Deshaun Jackson gone. I don't know. Now I see Jackson uh, went back to the Eagles, but so uh, again, now it's Winston and Mike Evans again, and a little Peyton ba- splash of Peyton Barber, who, whatever. Uh, um, I, I don't, I don't know what this Tampa Bay team is ever doing. Anything on this one? No, it was like a mass exodus from Tampa. They also lost Quan Alexander, um, their their best defensive player, I would say. So. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know when Tampa Bay is going to be relevant again. I their their roster is one of the worst in the league currently. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jets got Jamison Crowder. Nice little piece there, and that's another thing for Darnold to work with. I, I always thought Jamison Crowder was kind of undervalued. Hasn't had a quarterback to really throw to him, and then he's effective. They they run a weird offense over there. You never know who's playing, who's doing this and that and the other thing. Uh, might be another little piece for Darnold, and, and Foles goes to Jacksonville. I mean, this was like the uh, like the Murray to the first-round pick. This has been like the, um, you know, worst secret of all time. That's just been waiting to go down. So Foles goes there to Jacksonville for $488 million. So uh, anything on those two? No, I think it's a nice signing for the Jets and – like you said, we've known basically since uh, like three weeks ago or whatever that the, the Jags were going to sign uh, Nick Foles. All right. All right. We'll, uh, we'll wrap up there. We'll go over some of the other ones that are of importance uh, later in the week. I, I don't know exactly where we're going to come back on. Duke's in the quarters on Thursday. Now this is all of a sudden becoming important, so I'm actually going to have to tune in instead of the uh, Coach K wrap it up and not play for the AC tournament. This actually has some value. So, 
Uh, I don't know. Maybe we do a Wednesday or a Friday or something. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Or, you know, maybe we skip this one because we have some special programming shows coming up. Uh, We'll do a full baseball preview show. We're going to have a March Madness show. Maybe we'll do a Selection Sunday show. So maybe we'll do a a Monday-Sunday instead, and we could make that Sunday a Selection Sunday show plus a, you know, our thoughts on the conference tournament type of thing. So we'll see what happens. Uh, just, you know, uh, as always, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Uncut Sports Talk. You can see when we're coming back on and, and all these get ripped back in the podcast on Uncut Sports Talk on Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and iTunes Podcast. And they also uh, get saved on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, we thank everyone for tuning in. I saw our listeners were uh, crazy up again after our Thursday show. We appreciate everyone listening and tuning in. And, and listen, I, like I said, we don't bite, so give us a call, and we'd love to discuss your teams, your players, uh, your thoughts on all these sports. Uh, so 657-383-1692 is always the number. Uh, that'll wrap up our March 11, 2019 show. I apologize again for the technical difficulties and us having to go 10 minutes later than 10. Uh, but thank you. Uh, from your host, Rhino, and your co-host, Paz. We thank you for listening, and we'll see you very soon. Later.